0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Anacrusic Podcast. You are listening to episode number 81. Today on TAP, we are talking about seven ways to teach a song. Hi, I'm Ann Molesky, and I've helped music teachers just like you get more intentional in their classrooms through my trainings, curriculum, and tips shared on this podcast. The truth is, teaching music is hard. You have a bunch of kids to teach and not a lot of free time to figure out how. Feeling overwhelmed and frustrated is totally normal. But here's the good news. It only takes a few simple steps to flip the script. And although it may be simple, it's definitely not easy unless you have the right toolkit. So let's start tuning and transforming your music teacher life right now. The actionable steps you need to find the purpose, follow a sequence, and choose joy are right here. This is the Anacrusic podcast. Today's episode of the Anacrusic Podcast is brought to you by my free lesson guide, Creating a Lesson Flow. If you are ready to streamline and simplify your planning and learn how to create the perfect music lesson plan, download my free guide to learn the six essential components that will make your weekly lesson planning more efficient and effective starting right now. Head to anacrusic.com forward slash lesson to get your free template. All right, y'all, so if this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you have been around a time or two before, I just want to remind you that we're doing something a little bit different on the podcast. In all of these episodes, at least for the next 20 episodes or so, the next season of the Anacrusic Podcast, I'm really focusing on actionable tips, actionable strategies to use in your classroom literally tomorrow. Or if you're on your way to school right now, listening in your car, hey, have a great day, but also you can totally use this in your lesson today, like 100%. And where is the perfect place to start? Well, how do you teach a song? And this is something that I think we really take for granted as music teachers, but there is truly an art to how you bring new music to your students, how you make sure they're really engaged and really excited about what you are sharing with them so that they can immediately or as immediately as possible internalize what you're bringing to them musically so that you can dive in and get into that active music making, that fluency, that literacy, all of that good stuff. So truth be told, there have been a handful of times that I've just wanted to sing the darn song and play the darn game. And I think it's important that you just sing the song and you play the game in terms of not talking too much at your students, in terms of making sure they get that song and then you get to actually do something with it instead of... Spending a million years trying to line it out, right? But in those cases where I've just wanted to sing the darn song and play the darn game, I have to admit I've made my children victims to lining out a song. And I know, I know, did you shudder like at the mere mention of good old my turn, your turn? Now, this is super duper effective, but it's super duper effective in combination with some other strategies. And I mean, to be honest, if you need to teach a song swiftly, it's not a bad method, it's actually a very effective effective method. And truth be told, no matter which approach you take in introducing new song material to your students, lining out will probably be a hopefully small, but will be a a portion of it, it just kind of happens in what we do. But in the hopes of keeping your classroom alive and engaging for both you and your students, today I'm gonna share seven other ways to teach a song. And to make sure that you can really apply this inside of your classroom, I've created a free cheat sheet or a free guide with all seven of these different ways to teach a song as it pertains to one of my favorite songs for early childhood, Andy Pandy. So I've included the notation for that song in the show notes with all of these seven strategies and how I use it with that particular song. So yes, like I said, there are some times that lining it out or showing my turn, your turn can be very effective. But take a chance and try some of these other strategies to singing a song. And remember, like everything else in our classrooms, there really are more times than not that you'll use more than one of these things together to create an engaging and exciting and active music-making lesson for your students. Remember, that's one of the big pillars of Anacrusic, one of my three pillars to make sure that we're doing things that are actively making music in the classroom. And if we're sitting and having them do my turn, your turn for. A good long while that's not as active as it could be. So try lots of different combinations and use your own creativity to make it exciting and engaging. And of course, I always want to hear what you're doing, so make sure to share. All right, so let's start with telling a story. So what do you think is more exciting? Option one, telling the most fantastic story about a good king named Leopold who had all of his servants use the silliest of voices before he would let them cross his kingdom. Or option two, explaining to your kids that they have to call you Leopold because that's how the song goes and it'll make sense when you answer them. Well, I mean like really? (laughs) So first of all, option two is going to be so super confusing. Option one gives your students the chance to engage and explain the game they are about to play all at the same time. So particularly in kindergarten and first grade, but really throughout all the grades, I take the opportunity to tell a story with as many songs as possible, right? Like especially those itty-bitties, they love to do the land of make-believe. And as many of my mentors have told me, it's really acting in those early grades. So by creating this story and taking them through the motions so that they get to learn the song, but then they also get to learn the game and kind of this Purposeful play atmosphere, which is so, so important for our kids, makes it just so exciting for them, right? They don't even realize that you need them to learn the song. They just think that they're playing the most fun game ever. So, since a good chunk of my song material is either directly from or highly inspired by (laughs) nursery rhymes and fairy tales in those early grades, it's usually pretty easy to cook up a good story to go along with the newest song. So, make sure that you have some fun with this. You use your imagination, but But try to tell a story and bring your kids into that magic when you're wanting to teach them a song. The second thing you can do when you're teaching a song is ask questions. So think, who is this song about? What do you think his job is? When do I need my shoes fixed by? If he can't get it done by then, what's my second choice? And these are all questions that I ask students in between iterations of cobbler, cobbler, right? Cobbler, cobbler, with my shoe. And this method of teaching a song is super effective because it gives kids something to listen for. But the key piece here, friends, is make sure you ask questions of your kiddos before you actually sing the song. So if I'm going to use this strategy, I will sing a short 16-beat song, right? We're talking about short songs here. Um, I would sing that song and then I would sing it again and then I would ask a question and say something like, I'm going to sing the song again and I want you to put your hands on your head if you hear blank and put in whichever element you want them to listen for. So this gets the kids actively listening since they have to listen for something specific and I always find that when a song has tricky words like cobbler, cobbler, like there's It's just kind of a hard thing for them to grasp because most of them have never heard what a cobbler is. So maybe I'll start by telling them a story about a cobbler and then ask them some questions. But I always find that when a song has tricky words, kids do super well with this approach. Okay, so we had tell a story, ask questions. The third strategy is give students a job. So Willem, He Had Seven Sons is my go-to stick exploration song. And if you're wondering what on earth stick exploration is, it's basically singing this song a million different times, trying to find a million different ways to keep the steady beat with rhythm sticks. Like no joke. If you do something like this with your students and say, how else can we play rhythm sticks? It will go on for your entire lesson. (laughs) Like I've had it eat up lessons if I don't have some intentional strategies to really, really hone it. Okay, but when I first introduced this song, I'm the only one with sticks. I'm the only one with rhythm sticks. And I start by singing and tapping a steady beat. And then I ask students to pretend, just pretend, that they have two sticks with their pointer fingers and do what I do. And I should mention that this is usually something with kindergarten, right? Because we're working on steady beats. So that's why I don't just hand them sticks right away because usually it's the first time they've seen the sticks and they're very excited and want to tap them very loudly and on their friend and in the air and on the ceiling and all those things, right? Like that's just real. So (laughs) I have them pretend that they have two sticks with their pointer fingers and then do what I do. And then after that, I go through a series of questioning to talk about the meaning of the certain words in the psalm. So after that, after they've watched me use the sticks, after they've had their pretend sticks, and after I've asked some questions, see, so here's another example where I'm doing things in combination, it's their turn to have the sticks and they get to start exploring and sharing all of the different ways they can make sounds with the sticks to the steady beat. Now, it's important to note that a lot of times what I do with something like this, this is just sort of an aside, um, where I'm asking for lots and lots of feedback, I like for friends to just show me and just say things like, hmm, I wonder how else we can use the sticks. Show me the way that you like to use the sticks. And then I just look around, and then I just pick somebody out and say, ooh, look at how they are doing the sticks. Look at how they are keeping the steady beat with the sticks. Because otherwise, it's kind of hard to manage with the instruments and kids who want to share and all of that good stuff. So use that observational piece to um, kind of aid in all of that Pacing with an activity like this, right? So after that, after that first class period where we sing the song and we do all the stick exploration, the kids are humming it out on the playground honestly, because we've done it a million times and they're always begging for the stick game. So this is an awesome steady beat idea. um, And it's really great for assessment because you're doing that observational piece. So you're peeking around not only trying to get ideas, but this would probably be a later kindergarten lesson or um, later in terms of like, oh, we've explored beat in different ways because we're going to an external object instead of just their own bodies as their first instrument. So it's a really, really great assessment. The fourth strategy you could use to teach a song is to use props. And there are infinite ways to use props to teach a song. One of my favorites is to use an ocean puzzle for Charlie over the ocean. And then the students hear the song many times, each with a different sea creature in the text. So what I did was I found it at like Lakeshore or Target or somewhere that there's only about eight different animals. And if you click over to the show notes, I'll include a picture. But there's only about eight different animals, and so each time we need to sing about a new animal that Charlie found in the ocean, it's because a student has plucked it from a mystery bag, right? So they draw it from the bag, and then they put it in the puzzle, and that's what we sing about. Okay, so that's a fun way to use props. Puppets are another super fun way to teach a song, right? Like if you live in this universe and are an elementary music teacher, you probably have a puppet or two up your sleeve. And if you don't, I really encourage you to. It might feel hokey at first, but you guys, the kids love it. And how many of these kids have had their parents like goof around doing puppets at home with them? I mean, my daughter does cuz I have a million different puppets. <laughs> that I have from my classroom and that I just love. So she's seen them, but a lot of kids haven't. And so it's very, very novel and super fun for them to see. So they are definitely a must have, I think, for any songs that are question and answer like Lemonade or Come Back Home, My Little Chicks. So I often use two puppets for both of these songs so students can get the idea that there's a conversation between two people. That way they can differentiate between the two different parts. I find that sometimes if I'm stating both parts, even if the puppet is quote unquote doing one. is still confusing because it's still my voice. So when they have that visual reinforcer with two different puppets, it makes a huge, huge difference. And they really get that there's a conversation between two people. So I always have kids take turns singing each part with the appropriate puppet so they get a chance to do both. Um, And then they get to do the whole things with both of those puppets on their hands. So I'll have a couple of helpers help me with that. So that's a way to use props outside of musical instruments, right? That kind of adds to the excitement that adds to sort of the mystery around what you're going to share with them. So strategy number five is to play the game. (laughs) So like I said, in the beginning of today's episode, there are times where it's just like, just play the game and they'll get it, especially because more often than not, if you're doing a play party, like Bow Wow Wow, for example, each motive actually lends itself to the way that the game works. And I think that it makes it easier for the kids to learn the song. So I'm not going to lie. When I teach Bow Wow Wow to first graders, I'm going to, first of all, line it out super duper quickly, like listen to the whole song, listen to the first mode of your turn, listen to the second, your turn, listen to the third, your turn, all that kind of stuff. But I'm also going to have them do it with nonverbal communication so that I don't have to say, okay, now it's your turn, and I can just motion for them to sing. But anyway, (laughs) when I teach this song, I'm going to line it out quickly and then show the movements for each motive and then just play the game. So is there really any better way for them to learn a song like that? Probably not because Bow Wow Wow lasts for about a million years before the kids get back to their original partner. And it's magical, right? It's such a fun game. By the end of it, they are singing, and maybe not their most beautiful singing voice, but the joy is ever apparent, and then they start begging for the game. It's just magical, right? It's so exciting for those first graders. So sometimes just playing the game as soon as you can is super duper effective. So going along with strategy number five, strategy number six is similar, but it's not like a collaborative movement or doing a gameplay with um, other students in the class, right? So the sixth strategy is to use movement. So particularly for songs that have repeated lyrics, movement can be an insanely effective way to master both the text and form. Two songs off the top of my head that I practically always teach through beat motions are Ram Sam Sam and Boom Makolele. So both of these songs have unfamiliar words and adding those specific movements to deliberately like differentiate the text helps students remember what goes where. So in this instance, if you choose to line out one of these songs, like quote unquote line out with My Turn Your Turn, it's useful to give students one section at a time even out of order sometimes, that corresponds to one movement. So for example, say your job is to sing the words that go with this motion and then show them the motion, right? And so when that part of the song comes up, then that's their job. And this is more engaging than the traditional my turn, your turn lining out because students are accountable for what happens where and when, and it's not always right at the start. So this can be super duper effective using movement using motions you know obviously we do this with little little kids but i think it can be a really effective strategy throughout all of the grades and you know some of these might seem only effective for the younger students and some of the examples of songs that i use these with are more on the early elementary side but i find with anything honestly there's always a way to scaffold something into those older grades, and particularly if you see your kids through all grades and you have like good retention at your school, which I know is few and far between these days, but if you have good retention at your school and your students are kind of used to all of these different ways that you teach a song, they're going to get super duper excited when you say, I have a story to tell you, right? Something like that. But anyway, so the sixth strategy is to use movement. The seventh strategy is to make it a mystery. So one of my great teacher mentors always advised saving one gem of a song for each concept, so each melodic or rhythmic concept, as a mystery song, which I love. So for example, say you've just taught your student 16th notes, right? This is an upper elementary example because we should probably have one, and it is high time to play chicken on a fence post. So rather than singing the song or transitioning into it, why not introduce it by reading the new rhythmic concept that they've just learned. So mystery songs can be straight up reading exercises or something a little more engaging or challenging like a rhythm erase or um, like a poison rhythm game, right? Those are pretty straightforward to play. But either way, starting by isolating an element is a really great way to highlight curricular content and purposely promote your learning target for the day. So that's what's exciting about having a mystery song. So the seventh strategy is to make it a mystery so a quick recap of the seven different ways to teach a song and i'm sure there are more but these tend to be how i categorize when i introduce a new song to my students so the first is to tell a story the second is to ask questions the third is to give students a job the fourth is to use props the fifth is to play the game the sixth is to use movement The seventh is to make it a mystery. So certainly these, like I said, aren't the only ways to teach a song. And there's about a million and one different ways that you can do it. And then all of those are in combination with one another. So as you can see, a lot of times any given song teaching strategy can and will and probably should combine more than one. I mean, you probably heard that as I was talking through each one that I was kind of like, oh, but also you use props and also you ask some questions and you're probably going to do a little bit of lighting out, no matter what, a little bit of my turn, your turn, and just to make sure that your kids know the song, right? Like you want to make sure that they are learning the, the musical elements inside of the song as well. That's kind of the whole point. Like we want them to be really joyful, right? Like, but we also really want them to be really purposeful and really sequential inside of your lesson. So we want to teach them all of all of the repertoire, all of the songs that we're going to use in our classroom in a really joyful way through active music making, but we also want to make sure that what we're doing in our classroom is intentional for future lessons and for that fluency and literacy piece, right? So that we're creating or helping to create or helping to facilitate lifelong musicianship. And that is a really important piece. So I think that's why sometimes we fall on this whole my turn, your turn thing exclusively but that ends up being a lot of sitting and singing. And so if your kids are sitting and singing um, my turn, your turn, like all day, every day, then I, I'm a little curious as to how much joy there is in your classroom and how much of a teacher musician you feel like, right? Because remember, we want to harness that creativity. We want to make sure that both you and your students are feeling that inside of your classroom. But also, you want to make sure that they are learning the song the way that you have it notated, the way that you intend to derive it with them for any of those literacy components. So, that's when lining out can be a time that's super duper effective, even later on in the process. Even if they've learned a song and they're, you're just like, whoa, well, like, hold the phone, like, why are they singing it that way? That's not the way I taught it. You might need to do a little bit of rehearsal, right? A little bit of correction so that you can use the song for your intention inside of your classroom. So here's hoping that you're inspired to try something a little different when introducing a new song to your singers. If you decide to use some of these strategies, I would love, love, love to hear from you. Please send me an email, drop a line inside of the Facebook group, or hit me up on Instagram. I'm always so happy to talk with you guys and hear what you're doing inside of your classrooms. And if you want like a quick at-a-glance cheat sheet to try out these seven strategies and or you weren't quite sure what songs I was talking about when I was explaining them, head to the show notes, head to anacrusic.com forward slash 81, just 81, and download the cheat sheet that has an example with just one song, right, using Andy Pandy with all seven of these strategies. So I've included the notation, and I've also talked through how I use each of these strategies with that particular song. So if you felt a little lost, or you just want it to be a little bit more clear, or you want to use Andy Pandy and use some of these strategies, I would love for you to head to anacrustic.com forward slash 81 and snag that cheat sheet. But other than that, guys, until next time, I hope that this episode was super useful. I hope that these tips are actionable for you to put into your classroom to make everything just a little more purposeful, sequential, and joyful. Have an awesome day. Thanks for spending this little pocket of your day with me. I know music teachers are super strapped for time, so be sure to check out all the resources on anacrusic.com for today's episode. Don't forget to click subscribe wherever you're listening to today's podcast so you don't miss an episode of Tap. That way, you'll be notified each and every week when a new episode is live. And if you want even more tips and tricks delivered to your inbox, like a little love note from me to you, make sure you sign up for the Anacrusic newsletter and you'll be the first to know all the things. Also, if you are feeling today's episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'd love you forever if you take a hot minute and leave a review. See you next time.